Welcome to Unwanted Guests, the podcast that teaches you about insects and other pests that may join you in and around your home. It's brought to you by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and the Texas A&M Department of Entomology. We're your hosts, Wizzy Brown, Robert Puckett, Molly Keck, and Janet Hurley. So this episode, we are following up to our previous episode when we talked about bed bugs and traveling and how you can inspect your hotel to, you know, possibly avoid bringing them home. So just a quick recap, um, bed bugs are going to be small wingless insects. They are a reddish brown color. And they're usually about the size of like what, an apple seed or a watermelon seed. And they have incomplete metamorphosis. So the immature stages look just like the adults. It's just that they essentially are smaller and they will take a blood meal. Uh, As soon as they're out of the egg, they're going to be feeding on human bloods. Human are their preferred host and you know, these can be a major problem, but the thing is you really don't know if or when you're going to get them because there are so many locations that you can possibly pick these up. It's not just hotel rooms. I think that's a a thing that a lot of people think, you know, oh, well, I don't do a lot of traveling, so I don't really have to worry about this. There's a whole bunch of other places that can possibly introduce bed bugs into your home. Does anybody want to talk about some of those? Well, I mean, I've, I've been called to inspect them in libraries, in uh, movie theaters. I know that um, in some parts of, of the state, there are problem in public transportation, buses, airplanes, et cetera. So, you know, wherever human beings congregate, there's an opportunity for bed bugs to persist. Janet, what about schools? They're there, but generally they're brought from home. Uh, but that's going to be essentially every case. I mean, if you think about a movie theater, people are introducing those or the library. I mean, somebody puts the library book on their nightstand and they have bed bugs. And so the bed bugs hide in the little book binding stuff and you know, they return that library book and now you have a library that's infested. Yeah. I think about schools and I think about, especially elementary schools, kids that come into school with their backpacks. Um, maybe they have like a pajama day or like a movie day and they get to bring stuffed animals or pillows or something like that from home. Those backpacks and those items all get hung up together, touching each other. And, you know, if the very kid, the very first kid with the last name starting with an A is the first one in the row, if he brought bed bugs, it's just, it just takes till the end of the day for those bed bugs to crawl across all those backpacks and get all the way to the very end of the, of the aisle or the row. So yeah, I just think where humans go is where bed bugs are. And I also reminds me of the many times where people have said that, you know, my, my mother has bed bugs. My elderly mother has bed bugs and she doesn't go anywhere. She just goes to church, her doctor and to her house. And so where did she get them? Well, church or the doctor's office, probably, or someone who came to visit her. These can be in workplaces. You know, if somebody has an infestation at home, they can carry them to their office on, you know, a work bag or whatever they're taking in there. Um, 
I'm trying to think of some of the other strange places that I've come across. Shared rides, you know. Oh um, yeah, like in cars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not so much carpooling anymore, but how many people use um, the shared ride app? Right. And you know, again, all it takes is a computer bag or a purse or a backpack shopping bags, suitcases, the list can go on. So the other thing, I know we've been talking about where humans can go and visit and possibly pick bed bugs up, but we also have to think about the stuff that we bring in our house. So how many people buy stuff off of Facebook or they go to thrift stores and you know you get that miraculous fine and you bring it home, are they inspecting that to see if it's bed bugs? It has bed bugs in it. There's consignment stores that sell furniture. You know, you need to make sure that you're looking at that stuff and inspecting it thoroughly before you're bringing it into the house because, you know, especially especially if you're a college student and you're needing a couch and somebody threw one out, you might want to look at that because they might be throwing that out for a reason and you wouldn't want to bring that into your place of residence. So yeah. it's, it's not just, you know, going somewhere and picking them up, but I have, I, you know, I do know where to sit in the movie theater now because that can be a problem. So I, it seems like in the movie theaters, it's, you know, it's where everybody wants to sit. You know, you're like midway up in the middle of the seats. Now I'm always like on the side because those are where the less populations of bed bugs are going to be. <laughs> See, I shouldn't tell everybody that because now everybody's going to be in my seat when I go. I want to say thanks for that tip. <laughs> yeah, li living in a, a college town it's it's shocking the amount of stuff that students just pitch on the curb after they've graduated and uh, they're leaving town and uh, then you know as a as an urban entomologist it's also shocking to me how many times I see people pulling up in pickup trucks and throwing old couches and you know bean bags and futons into the back of the truck and taking them to their place I mean this is a this is one of the principal means by which these guys are moved around from residence to residence. So when we are talking about bed bugs, I mean, we, like I said, we talked about them in hotels and picking them up and bringing them home. So I, I don't want, I mean, we've talked about a whole different way that people can bring them other than just going and staying in a hotel. Now, I don't want people to, feel like they need to put themselves on lockdown again because of bed bugs. Um, you know, when you get them, there are ways to manage them. And the, the other thing is inspecting things before you bring them into the house. And that could be, you know, your luggage when you are traveling, making sure that you inspect that luggage before it comes into the house. Um, if you are going someplace and then you know that they have bed bugs, like we used to, Molly and I did research at shelters that were, we knew were infested with bed bugs. And so there's a chance that we could pick those up and bring them home. And so, you know, with me, I would 
you know, leave my shoes outside. And then I came in and all my clothes went immediately into the dryer on high heat for about an hour. And that should kill all of the insects and eggs and stuff that are possibly on them. And, you know, I didn't worry about washing them right away or anything like that. It was just getting that heat cycle through there to kind of get rid of anything that might be possibly lingering that I didn't want to bring home. So, Wizzy, you make a good point, because I remember when Dr. Merchant was working with you guys on that. um, I'm thinking back that I remember I was talking to nurses who did home health care and giving them tips, um, things they could do when they go into clients' homes as well. So, I mean, if you're a listener and you know somebody who does that, I mean, what Wizzy just described is probably something to take into consideration if you're a worker that goes in and out of homes doing um, audits with patients or something like that. I mean, it's just one of those things to keep in mind. Well, you can also, if you are someone who does home visits like that, be aware of where you are sitting and where you're placing your things. If you have the choice of sitting on a wooden kitchen chair versus a recliner that is plush, it's easier to kind of scan that wooden chair and see if there's anything on it. It may not be 100% all the time, but it's a lot easier to eyeball that than the recliner that's got you know, fabric and all sorts of nooks and crannies where they can hide. So does somebody want to cover, um, well, if they, they find bed bugs, do they, do they only have to look in the bedroom for bed bugs? Is it going to be just limited to there? No, they're going to be everywhere. Um, If you listen to our previous episode where we talk about hotels, uh, Robert mentions that they are known to wander. And I can't remember who, maybe it was Rutgers or somebody that did a study on that where they put like passive traps to try to catch them as they crawled all throughout apartments and found that they were in places like even the bathroom and the kitchen where people obviously aren't, well, well, you say, obviously, maybe I guess if you pass out, but, um, shouldn't be sleeping, right. You should be in a bed or on a couch or in a recliner. So they're anywhere where you go. And I think one mistake that lots of people make is they think they have bed bugs or discover bed bugs in their bedroom. And so they use another bedroom instead. And those bed bugs are now just going to follow you and they are going to wander regardless, but you don't want to move from one room to another room to encourage more of a population to build up in those other places, because now ground zero has spread, you know, to pretty much be all over the house. Um, I think that's what you were alluding to was, are they just in the bedroom, but they're also just not on the bed. They can be like we said in books that are on your nightstand. After you read, you lay it down and they crawl into the binding, or they could be even in electronic furniture behind furniture. Um, generally they like fabric and they like, um, rough uh, surfaces. So they may not be on smooth plastic, but they might climb onto wood or particle board or the backing of furniture, um, the back of um, a picture frame, a number of different places. They just want to get away from you after they fed. And so they're going to find any nook and cranny to go and hide in. 
So Robert, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, Molly mentioned don't run from one room to the other. A lot of people I think do that because they think that they're going to starve them out or I get the whole, well, I'm just going to put everything in storage. Why will that not work? Yeah, well, the only, the only way that works is that uh, you happen to get, when you're gathering up your belongings for storage, you happen to gather every insect, adult and nymph, and every single egg or clutch of eggs from, from, from your house, apartment, et cetera. So the point is, as they move around, once they become adults, uh, males and females, of course, mate. Females will lay eggs, and if they, you know, lay them in a hallway somewhere, where you and let's imagine you treat or move away from abandon the bedroom that you're in. Well, who cares? You've got bed bug eggs that are going to hatch in the hallway somewhere else in the house, and and tend to spread that population. Um, one one thing going back to um, the previous discussion about their movement in 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 infestations, I think there's a sense that when we start to see bed bugs in areas away from, and I've, I've kind of, I've seen this relationship in many of the infestations that I've been into. If, I guess where I'm going here is if you catch a bed bug infestation early, right? Um, a lot of times, most of the insects, the majority of the insects will be in the near vicinity of where people hang out, bed, recliner, couch, et cetera. Um, but as that population grows and they begin to become space limited, um, they will spread out in terms of their hiding places. So, you know, I can almost guarantee anytime I come into an infestation, I see bed bugs um, hanging out during the daytime, sort of maybe um, kind of in the open. Like uh, oftentimes I'll find them, you know, when you have um, really rough sheetrock, maybe that old, what do they call it, popcorn um, textured sheetrock. A lot of times you'll see them hanging up at the, at where the wall meets the ceiling of the room. Well, if I see that, I mean, that's the, my instant signal that this is a very, very intense infestation because those insects that are hanging out in an exposed location simply don't have a tucked away place to hide. And so it can be an indication of how dense the infestation is. And I've kind of seen that to be true. Um, yeah, if you move your belongings uh, away from your, so, so I, I hear this a lot, Wizzy. Well, why don't I just take my belongings and go put them into storage for a while? Well, the problem with that is that, you know, human beings are their primary hosts, but they will feed on secondary hosts in the absence of a primary host. So if you think about storage units, you might have rodents that they're feeding on, um, cats, um, vertebrate animals that are living, you know, as sort of as pests in, in the storage environment. Well, if that's the case, then you still have infested materials. Oftentimes you move them back into your, into your, um, living residence, your living quarters. So, and I always think about the poor people that have adjacent storage units that are going to get a surprise when they go pick up their stuff. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You go pick up your couch that didn't have bed bugs before you put it in there and not does because somebody's put infested materials in the next unit. Correct. Yeah. That's of, of concern. Okay. So when, when we find bed bugs, we obviously, like you said, in the early infestations, they're generally around where we are. But as we move or if we're changing our habits, like I go start sleeping on the couch instead, the bed bugs are going to move with us. 
So you may need to make sure that it's not just the bedroom that you're inspecting, but other areas of the structure. Um, if someone finds bed bugs, what, what now? Do we panic immediately and start setting off bug bombs? Um, should we try to undertake this on our own? At what level should we contact professionals? Yeah, you just you give up. It's over. <laughs> just bomb the no, place. This is not good. true. Burn the yeah, house down. <laughs> don't bomb the house. No, don't no, and don't bomb. burn the house down. And the thing is, with bug bombs, there have been like cases. You can actually Google it because it's happened several times where people have bed bug infestations and they set off the, you know, bug bomb fogger things and they forget about a pilot light that was lit and boom it explodes and that's a huge issue so you know i i don't recommend the foggers or bug bombs or whatever you want to call them anyway for bed bugs because if you think about it you're sticking that middle of the room it's shooting off that pesticide to fill up that space of the room and where are your bed bugs? They're going to be behind baseboards. They're going to be in wall voids. They're not in the middle of the room. And so that pesticide isn't really going to be doing much of anything for the bed bugs anyway. So I just think that's a waste of time and money. Yeah. And beyond that, Wizzy, it's, it, it's beyond sort of your opinion of them. I mean, it, there have been studies done. Susan, Dr. Susan Jones at your Ohio State University um, actually did a very, very nice detailed study looking at all of the, the foggers, the over-the-counter foggers and bug bombs that are available for bed bugs. And basically they had very little impact on the population of insects in those trials. And they were fairly exposed, not even like in a, you know, a real infestation. So those are largely useless. So as far as managing bed bugs yourself, you know, I, I am of the mind that if you have a small localized population, then you can do a thorough treatment and you can probably take care of those yourself. Mm -hmm. But once you start getting them in multiple rooms and you have high numbers of them, then I, I would say like more than a hundred bed bugs, I would say you need to contact a professional probably at that point. I mean, how does everybody else feel about that? I, the bed bugs, I get a lot of people that call about bed bugs and lots of other insect pests. And there's, you know, any number of species of insect pests that people call me about. And I say, oh, okay, well, just, you know, let's calm down. Um, there's a variety of different means that you can take care of this yourself, or you can call professional pest management. Um, but if you don't want to do that or don't have the means to do that, I can kind of walk you through some steps and we can try a few things. And if it doesn't work, we'll get a little more aggressive. Bed bugs are one of those. Bed bugs and termites are two insect groups that I almost always start the conversation with. Can you afford pest management? You know, because the uh, bed bug work in terms of the pest management industry is not a straightforward process. Every situation is different. Um, much of the and bed bug bed bug remediation is expensive because much of the work that's done it just has to do with decluttering the house and opening it up so that um, if chemical insecticides or heat treatments are to be used that, that those those insecticides or heat can can make their way to the insects and begin to kill them 
So a lot of the work um, associated with bed bug jobs doesn't even really have to do with applying insecticides. It's, it's more preparing the site to be treated. Um, and a lot of people just don't have the time to do that. They don't have the strength to do it, uh, help to do it. You know, single person's up against it if they're dealing with bed bugs, because there's a lot of heavy stuff that's got to be moved around um, to prepare the site for treatment. So, you know, I always, like I say, I start the conversation with, hey, um, how much can you afford to put into this, the solution of this situation? And if they simply can't afford you know, to hire a professional to come in, then, then we get, when we start talking through some other um, techniques to start to try to solve their problem. One of the, one of the first things I tell people that want to do this on their own is, you know, we've got a variety of monitoring stations that are available in the marketplace now that anybody can put their hands on either through Amazon or, you know, any of the websites that sell these materials. Some of the traps uh, monitoring stations or traps are, are passive. Um, like the climb up monitors that we put underneath bed legs to sort of passively collect insects as they crawl up and down, um, you know, furniture legs. But then we've got this new family of, of, of I mean, I, you know, we call them bed bug traps. But I call them monitoring stations because we use them in our, our field trials to monitor densities of bed bugs pre and post um, treatment. So there's a company that uh, makes a trap. Um, I think they're the own, only company. I don't think they have competition in this space. I don't, I feel like we can mention them by name. The company is Sensei and they make a product called Volcano Traps. Um, but they also sell pheromone strips you can put in those traps, they actually draw the insects to um, into the station. And then they're trapped within. So, you know, a person can determine what density of bed bugs they're dealing with before they start trying to treat for them. And if they do treat, then they can monitor afterwards to see if there's still bed bugs moving around that maybe aren't feeding on them or that they don't notice feeding on them. Um, those can be a very, very helpful tool um, for, for indicating when a person has taken that population of bed bugs to zero. And there's and it's not going to be just you're, you're saying a bed bug tool, but this is not going to be, OK, I'm going to buy these traps. I'm going to stick these out. Oh, and they're no. going to get rid of my bed bugs. No, That's no, no, no. not going to happen. No, they are a sensing tool. You know, these are cryptic animals um, that hide in really tiny spaces. So it's very difficult to find them. Um, and so these monitors, though, they use a pheromone that the bed bugs respond to, they're drawn to, and it will simply drag them with chemical pheromones, chemical pheromone analogs into the trap itself, and they can't escape. So you can monitor those. So you check them every three days or so. And if you see the numbers begin to taper off after you've treated, um, then you, you can start to draw the conclusion that you're having a significant impact on the population. Um, but, the, but the problem with bed bugs, and, and we've kind of alluded to this throughout our conversation, is that you know you can kill every nymph and adult in your living quarters, but if you leave eggs, you still have a bed bug infestation. And quite frequently, we do, even if we're using. Even if you're hiring a pest management company that comes in with conventional insecticides, um, I, I think most companies prepare their customers um, with the idea that, okay, so we've made this treatment, we've knocked down the insects, adults and, and nymphs that are gonna feed on you for the short term, but we can almost be assured that there are eggs that are gonna hatch in fairly short order, and those insects are gonna start developing towards adulthood but they can feed at every life stage. So they're gonna feed on you as they, as they develop. So we wanna come back and do a follow-up treatment 
to kill those nymphs, those immatures, before they become adults and can begin to lay the next clutch of eggs to continue the infestation. I have a question. I'm curious if you guys get this question also and what your answer usually is to it, but I have people that will say, well, could they be living or feeding on my pets and could they be in my pet's bedding as well? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been in um, uh, several infestations where we, we found bed bugs underneath pet bedding. It's unclear whether or not that was because, you know, they didn't have space in close proximity to, you know, the bed where people were sleeping because of a high density of, of bed bugs. We know that they will take a blood meal from, from vertebrate, vertebrate animals, period. So in the absence of a human host, they'll, they'll likely take a blood meal from pets. I, I wonder if like a hairless cat or the Chinese crested <laughs> dog would get more bites than your regular lab or regular cat because the hair gets in the way. I'm, well, I don't know about that, but I'm certain the bed bugs in your place would appreciate a hairless host <laughs> in the form of a hairless cat. Have y'all also yeah. heard the study? I think it was any out of university of Nebraska where they found that bed bugs don't like to feed off of blood that has a high alcohol blood content. So I guess, you know, a running joke, you tell people go to bed sloshed and you probably won't get those bed bugs <laughs> on you. <laughs> All right. So we've talked a little bit about infestations and monitoring. So let's move on to control options. So what are control? We already talked about, you know, the foggers or bug bombs or whatever, then, and why they don't work. Um, but you know, there are crack and crevice residual treatments. There are steam treatments. Um, there's heat treatments and, you know, sometimes there are even fumigations where they tent the structure. And those are usually, if we're talking about like overly crowded, uh, um, cluttered, maybe hoarder type situations because there's just so much stuff that it's not going to get moved and you can't get the heat flowing or pesticides to all the areas where the bed bugs would reside. And so they just fumigate and tent that sucker and that kills all of the stuff that's in there. Molly, do you want to talk a little bit about um, what the different, like, what is the difference between a crack and crevice treatment versus the fogger that we said doesn't work, how would that crack and crevice benefit um, if you're doing a bed bug treatment? Yeah. So, well, that's where they're going to be hiding, right? Is in cracks and crevices and hiding places. They're not just, you're not going to walk into a room and see them, you know, just in the middle of the, of the bedroom or something like that. They're hiding behind things. And so a crack and crevice would get you in um, maybe the wall void through an electrical outlet or a light switch or something like that. Um, the foggers just kind of, they don't penetrate anywhere. People, you know, y'all hit the nail on the head with it, but people are always like, why do they still sell those? It's because people keep buying them, but I don't think they work for really any bug because no bug just hangs out and waits to be killed by a fogger. So steaming is also an option, um, using a steamer and those are, um, you know, it's, you're going to have to pick and choose, and you may be able to use multiple things. Um, but if you think about steaming, you're not going to be able to use that on absolutely everything. There's going to be some surfaces that you can use a steamer and there are some surfaces that you can't. I mean, if you're 
steaming electronics of some sort, that's obviously not going to be a good plan. So you have to take that into consideration. Um, so, you know, that's something, um, are the steamers, are they better nowadays than they used to be? Cause I seem to remember that steamers, um, it, the, the bed bugs would run away from it. So were there, are they, are there other, have they come up with better technology so that it kind of steams quick and fast and heats them up? Or is that still a concern? So, well, I mean, I, I can kind of address that. We did it. We did a study several years ago looking at, um, so we got questions from the pest management industry about, you know, how fast can we move a steam head across bed bugs and, and hope to kill them. And the good news is um, basically as fast as, as you want to go. I mean, if you come in close contact with a bed bug with steam, it will kill it. Um, but as, as you mentioned, Molly, they're not interested in sitting still for you to steam them. They're going to run. And um, so you're not, you're not, you're unlikely to get all of them, especially if you've got a significant infestation, but, but one area where, steam can really help is that it also destroys eggs. And so unlike, you know, conventional insecticides or, you know, in some cases heat treatment, you know, if you, if you come across a clutch of eggs with a, with a steam wand, it'll poach them. I mean, that's it. They're done. Um, so, but as, as you guys have talked about, you, you can't get to all of them, you know, they're tucked away and some of them are exposed underneath bed sheets and Oh, I don't know, and you know, kind of on the underside of chairs and this sort of thing. But, but oftentimes they're tucked away into crevices, and you're not you're not going to reach them with steam. Are these steamers the same steamers that I use to take the wrinkles out of my clothes, or are are they a much higher temperature? No, well, there are some really fancy ones on the market, but the one that we worked with, there are some that are designed to treat to treat bed bugs. You know. Um, but I think in, in most cases, those are just re-engineered, you know, commercial steamers for, you know, steaming garments or, or draperies, upholsteries and this sort of thing. And that's what we were using in our trial. Um, a, um, you know, a, one of the big stainless steel bodied steamers with a long neck and um, it wasn't a steam jet. In fact, the steam just kind of rolled out of the nozzles very gently. Um, and we didn't get that hot. I mean, we were only at 100. Well, the steam, as it was emitted, was of course um, uh, above boiling temp. But the but but the area of the fabric, you know, we measured it with an infrared thermometer, and it was only around 170 degrees. But it killed every single insect, adult and nymph, and every egg that that we steamed. Um, no matter how fast or slow we we steamed them. And then, you know, the other, the other thing to touch on is the, the dust formulation of insecticides. So a lot of people, um, a lot of people that I encounter that call me up use diatomaceous earth for their bed bug infestations. The, the problem is, um, yes. you know, they send photographs of what they've done and it looks like they use like a, um, I don't know, like a snow shovel to fling it around their bedroom. You know, it's three inches deep and this is not the way to apply diatomaceous earth or any other dust for bed bugs. I mean, most, most of the professionals use, um, help me like the, the big poofy makeup brushes, y you know, I don't know what you call them. Help me somebody. You call them big poofy makeup brushes. Yeah. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Uh -huh. oh, Works awesome. for me. Big, perfect. Big poofy makeup <laughs> brushes. And basically you're just dusting in it, it with so little dust that your, your eye can almost not pick it up, but it's there and it, they'll come in contact with it and it will kill some of your bed bugs. It may not remedy your, your whole infestation, but, but it can help. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I guess one thing to mention too is that we're all sort of tuned in. I mean, we're having this big global resurgence of, of bed bugs. Um, and so one of the questions is why, and well, the big question is why, and, and one of the answers to that is that we just move around a lot now, you know, um, maybe much more so than we did in decades past. But the other part of that, the answer to that question is because we know that bed bug populations across the United States and the globe um, are becoming resistant to different um, groups of chemical insecticides. And this was first noted in with um, uh, pyrethroid insecticides. And now it's been documented um, uh, bed bug resistance to neonicotinoid insecticides has, has been um, has has been nailed down. I mean, we know this is happening across the United States in wild populations of bed bugs. And so this is a problem. You know, we're running into this situation where we don't have enough classes of insecticides to throw at these guys in resistant populations. So um, this is a challenge for the pest management management industry and also a big challenge for, you know, somebody that has no experience trying to manage insect pests. It's like, well, if you if you have a pyrethroid resistant bed bug population in your home and you treat them with a pyrethroid that you didn't even recognize as a pyrethroid because you haven't had training with chemical insecticides, you know, you're going to be scratching your head two months down the line because you've basically made, had no impact on your density of bed bugs. So this is another one of the reasons why I say, when people call me up, I say, look, this is really complicated. What you want to do here, if you want to take this on as a DIY project, it's very complicated. Um, and if you can swing it financially, it's probably best to just hire professional pest management to come in and take care of it for you. So on the places or the, the jobs that I've been on that have like really, really heavy infestations, they usually go in there and the first thing they do is they start vacuuming up as many bed bugs as they can. I mean, if like Robert mentioned earlier, if you go into some place and you see bed bugs like up where the ceiling and wall meet, that's usually a sign that you have a really heavy infestation of bed bugs. And I mean, obviously you don't want to use just any regular vacuum cleaner. You know, you want to make sure it has a good filter and that it's only being used for that. Um, so that is something you can use that to reduce the numbers that you're seeing. And then you can do that targeted treatment to kill off the ones that are left. It's just, you know, you're immediately getting some results when you're doing that vacuuming. So I think the last type of treatment that we need to talk about is the heat treatment that Robert mentioned earlier. And when we're talking heat treatment, this is another one that this is a professional thing that you need, you would have to hire a professional for this. And it's not going to be cheap because they have specialized heating equipment. This isn't something like I turn up the thermostat in my house and that's going to kill the bed bugs. No, that's not going to work. Or um, people have purchased space heaters or those great big like butane heaters or whatever that you can get at like box stores. And again, there's cases of people burning down their homes when they're trying to do this and they're not doing things correctly. Um, when you're talking about heat treat treatments for bed bugs, there are, you know, these large industrial heaters, they have duct work that's moving through the structure into the different rooms. They have fans set up to make sure that they are blowing 
the air into the structure. And they also have temperature probes that they're going to be placing in there. And they're making sure that they're getting that whole entire area up to the temperature that they need to, to kill the bed bugs. But then they also have to hold it there for a certain period of time. And so if you're talking about these temperatures, you know, you're not going to be able to be in the house when the heat treatment is being done. You would have to leave and you might need to actually leave and like stay someplace else overnight because obviously if they have it heating up and it's holding temperature for, you know, four or five, six hours or whatever, it's going to take a while for that to cool off. So you don't want to move back into that structure as it's cooling off. You want to wait. So you may need to spend the night elsewhere. Um, this also is going to require preparation. If you're having a um, company come out to heat up your home for bed bugs, obviously anything that is going to melt like a candle, you're going to need to take out of the structure. Um, if you have vinyl blinds, those can warp sometimes depending on what kind of fans you have that can cause damage. So usually these companies are going to give you a prep list that you need to do and things that you need to take care of before they can come out and do this heat treatment. And that's going to be very important for you to follow those instructions. So you are removing things. I mean, like aerosol cans, if you superheat an aerosol can, it's going to possibly explode. So you need to make sure that that stuff is not in the structure for um, the safety of your house, as well as the safety of the people that are coming out to do your pest control. So we do have several publications. If you are interested in learning more about bed bugs, or if you have bed bugs and you need some advice, we have one that is on a do-it-yourself bed bug control. And you can that one is written by Dr. Michael Merchant. And then we have another one that is covering how to choose a bed bug control provider. And it goes through the different types of treatment that you can possibly get from a professional. And then also some questions or things that you might want to ask and kind of look for in the different companies. So you should be able to find links to those publications from our website. And that is extensionentomology.tamu.edu. So we hope that you learned something about bed bugs and just know not to panic if you find them. This is something that it just happens by luck of the draw. If you happen to bring them home, then you're gonna have bed bugs. And so don't feel like you have to hide it. That's the other thing, especially if you live in multifamily housing, you need to report if you have a bed bug infestation because then that can spread out from your area and start infesting your neighbors. So just be aware of that. So thank you so much for tuning in to Unwanted Guests. We are glad that you're here and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening.